The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Very glad to have you with me today. Coming up on today's program, uh, we've all been impacted by COVID and, of course, the ensuing restrictions on moving about town, getting to work, all that sort of stuff. And that has also had an impact on our transit system here. There's a lot of concerns from people that are forced to use public transportation because it's their only option about how they stay safe while they are doing it. What do the drivers need to stay safe? What do the systems need to do to restore confidence in the system in a time of uncertainty? Well, that's our conversation today. Megan Owens of Transit Riders United will be my guest. Stick around for the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Samaritas, the state's largest private foster care and adoption agency. However, Samaritas also provides a number of other services around the state. They are one of the largest refugee resettlement agencies in Michigan. They serve homeless families, persons with disabilities, abused and trafficked women. They also provide market rate and affordable housing for seniors and HUD housing for families and also have skilled nursing, memory care and rehab communities in Grand Rapids, Cadillac and Saginaw. Samaritas, we thank them for their support here at Deadline Detroit. Hey, Craig here. Thanks for checking out the show today. I really do appreciate it. As somebody who really likes public transportation, I will admit I have been a little bit concerned about jumping on a bus if I need to get somewhere because of COVID. Let's be honest, being in close proximity to a lot of people has us all thinking, rethinking our plans to fly to different places, uh, to utilize bus systems, train systems, all that kind of stuff. So what needs to be done to make it safe? What needs to be done to make it so people have confidence uh, that they're going to be in a safe space during their commute when we do get back to work? And it is going to happen. Many of us will be returning to our offices and maybe sooner than we are all comfortable with. So what can we do? Transportation Riders United is going to be having a forum about this this coming Wednesday to talk about all of these issues and a lot more and and to talk about the overall impact on our transit system that COVID has had. Megan Owens, of course, leads Transportation Riders United, and she joins me right now. Megan, welcome to the Craig Folly Show. It's a pleasure to have you back. Thank you for having me. Well, let's talk about this. You've got this event coming up on Wednesday night, and again, I should remind folks it's from 7 to 8.30, Uh, It is going to be on Zoom, and the details of where you can find it are going to be right on the post for this podcast. And, of course, they can find Transportation Riders United on Facebook and get all the details there. You do want people to register, so I want them to know that up front. But there's going to be a big discussion here because I'm a fan of public transportation. You know this about me. I have been reluctant since the outbreak of COVID to do this. I know that some of the drivers in particular or the DDOT system have been reluctant as well uh, because they weren't sure that important safeguards were taking place. This has had to have had an impact. Uh, I know you've been looking at this. What has been the short-term impact on the transit system as a result of this at this point? Well, ridership, when the, uh, when the city and the area largely shut down, ridership dropped by uh, 75%, which in some ways is a good thing. The goal was to keep people home, to minimize interactions that weren't necessary. Um, And so for much of uh, March and April, 
the only people riding quite rightly were essential workers, the nurses or janitors that had to get to the hospital, the grocery workers uh, and pharmacists that were keeping us stocked with what we need. Um, and there were there were definitely some some struggles at the beginning. Um, but what we found more recently, uh, as as research on COVID-19 advances, and as there are more um, analysis from around the around the world, really, we're finding that uh, buses are not uh, a, a transit in general is not uh, nearly the disease spreader people feared it might be. We're realizing that if people are wearing masks and people are well, DDOT's requiring it and people are being pretty good about uh, wearing masks. Um, and if there's airflow, those are two of the key features to decrease the risk. Um, and what's also interesting is we've looked at, there've been other countries that have done much more detailed contact tracing to figure out where are these spreading events coming from. And out of over 150 different uh, super spreader events in, in France, not a single one was tied to their the, the Paris transit system. Uh, there were similar examples uh, in several other countries where there have been, uh, where transit systems have continued to operate, uh, and yet there's very little example of it, of it spreading. So, Clearly, some of the steps that have been taken uh, here and elsewhere are working to make transit at least safer than than a lot of people feared it would be. Well, exactly. And, and I mean, for many of these frontline workers and the people that are there working in the hospitals, working in, the, in grocery stores, as you mentioned, I mean, these are people that, that take public transportation. This is what they rely on. Uh, many of them don't own cars. Uh, and so therefore, these are the people that most need it. I, I want to get your impression of, of how well both DDOT and SMART handled this at the beginning uh, and, and some of the steps they took right away uh, to, to sort of mitigate people's concerns. Well, the um, SMART right away uh, decided to shift to um, rear door boarding and to not charge fares. Uh, and that was largely to protect their drivers. The drivers are the ones that have to, that are there all day uh, and, and would otherwise have people walking within a, a few feet of them uh, constantly all day. So by using rear door boarding and by closing off the first few rows, that keeps the drivers much safer. Um, uh, and actually, both DDOT and SMART are working on installing uh, plexiglass barriers uh, to keep the drivers uh, even more protected uh, and have committed they're not going to uh, start charging fares or reopen the front doors until all of those plexiglass barriers are in, are in place. Uh, and so, while it took DDOT, a, 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 the, while there was a bit of a work stoppage because drivers were so concerned about their safety, uh, the, the mayor responded pretty quickly and DDOT very quickly uh, jumped to following some of those. Those are among the best practices around the country uh, is to figure out ways to minimize uh, exposure for, for drivers um, and to um, and then to try to get more spacing and masks. Those are among the, the key features. Well, you know, what's interesting to me is that a lot of the things that would make it safer for drivers are things that we've been talking about that would improve just the transit system overall when we've discussed things like bus rapid transit in the past, where you have people buying their fares before they get on, or fare boxes in the middle of the passenger compartment as, a, as opposed to right next to the driver. Um, and and th there's a lot of different things that we're learning from this that could make our current system a little bit more effective. Um, 
what do you take away from what we have learned from this experience so far about what would make it actually better and more rider friendly and driver friendly? Um, there's definitely a lot of, uh, and the cat's okay. Are... The, the cat is welcome, by the way, for those who are listening right now, <laughs> there was a cat that just jumped up on Megan's table. Yes. Yes. The joys of, uh, of working from home. Um, the, there are definitely some of these things that are very, um, COVID specific, like having a physical barrier between the driver, uh, and the passengers, uh, and like requiring masks and such, but, some of these other things, um, nobody wants to be on a crowded bus where you're shoulder to shoulder and jammed in, uh, regardless of whether there's uh, a, a pandemic going on. So um, efforts to, uh, to decrease crowding uh, and to uh, respond for transit agencies to respond really quickly if a bus does get crowded. I mean, right now that's more than about 15 people on a regular bus, it might be 40. Um, but if you get too crowded, uh, they can start uh, adding a new bus to that route right away so that you do have more consistent spacing. Um, that's really been the, the one area that agencies still need to work a little bit more on is, um, is, respond, is making sure that there's enough, frequent enough service out there so that, the, so that the buses don't get crowded and so that nobody has to wait very long for a bus. That's absolutely the goal pandemic or no. Well, Megan Owens is my guest, of course, of Transportation Riders United. Uh, she's been a longtime advocate for improved public transit here in the region. Uh, and there are things that we're learning from this whole thing that would make it work. Uh, you know, yeah, more buses is always a good thing. Less crowded buses. The pushback you're always going to get is that that costs money and the pandemic is squeezing budgets as we know like never before. Um, do you see though that some people are starting to recognize the importance of, of safety here and the importance of again providing that service that many people are relying on that, that we are relying on right now to actually do this work the the sort of society-wide emphasis on essential workers uh, i think has been really healthy and helpful for us to realize none of us are in this alone uh, we all depend on other people. And it's often the least paid and least respected among us. Um, it's the janitors, uh, it's the grocery clerks. Uh, uh, those are the folks who are keeping us safe and keeping our society functioning um, during this crisis and beyond. Nationally, um, the census data showed that about 36% of essential workers are transit riders, uh, that our society couldn't keep functioning we couldn't have uh, those stocked grocery shelves those safe uh, clean hospitals and other workplaces um, if we didn't have buses taking people where they need to go so we're really trying to help people understand um, many of us are, are lucky uh, privileged enough to stay home and work from home uh, but we all depend on those people who depend on transit uh, so we all are better off by making sure that we have a system that enables everyone to get where they need to go. Pandemic, no. This is an argument we've been having uh, in this region for as long as I can remember. Um, and, and we keep making sort of these incremental movements toward progress here, uh, a couple new options here and there. Uh, but this seems to be uh, something, and I, I hate to use the phrase where you say, don't let a good crisis go to waste, but is there an opportunity here um, to open people's eyes to this? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we are 
working on gathering the stories of some of those essential workers who are on the bus and who wouldn't otherwise be able uh, to be at work. And we we've, um, haven't been getting on the buses because again, we don't you don't wanna use them for non-essential purposes, but we've been meeting people at bus stops and talking to them about their experiences and what would they do if the bus wasn't there? And there's an awful lot of people work uh, and help all of us, but also to take care of their families and to get to essential appointments. It was interesting when uh, the state fairgrounds uh, first opened as a COVID testing center, there was a clear problem. That's great for drive up testing, but what about that uh, 30 some percent of people, households in Southeast, in the Detroit area who don't have access to a car. The city worked, uh, turned around really quickly and within a couple of days, they had a system set up so that, um, so that people could get uh, safe, secure rides to get tested if they needed it. Um, but that's just one example of, sometimes we think, we, we make assumptions in this region that everyone drives and that's not, that's not smart, that's not accurate, and that's not fair. Well, and in recent years, I mean, before this, we had started to see people shifting their attitudes on this a little bit, a lot more people willing to take the bus. They, when you provided a service that people found useful, they were using it, the fast service that Smart was per, putting yeah. out there, for instance. I mean, I was taking the queue line every single day uh, because splitting a commute with somebody else. And these are things that were making it possible to ride. And, and the more I did it, the more I found that I actually enjoyed it and preferred it from having a stupid car downtown that I was paying <laughs> massive amounts to park every single day. Um, and, and so I guess we were making some progress. I don't yeah. know if this is throwing it back or not, but uh, it seems that that maybe maybe there's something to build on here. Yeah, there. I we were scared for a little while. Early on, there was talk about um, talk about transit in a very, very negative way, um, as if it was this, this disease vector, and oh my gosh, if you're stepping on a bus, you're putting your life at risk, and honestly, there was a pretty awful Detroit news piece that, that shocked, shocked. I know. Well, it had some very good facts and, and personal uh, anecdotes from, from riders, but it was spun in such a, a negative, oh my god, these people are going to die because they're getting on a bus, we really need to fight back against that perception uh, that that somehow people who ride transit are are lesser or have uh, that it is a last resort. We need to provide a system that everyone wants. And I think you're right that we were starting to take some great strides. Um, things like the fast bus, um, the number of people riding uh, on the Woodward corridor between the suburbs. Um, doubled when you started providing every 15 minutes seamless service with limited stops that was really easy and convenient. Um, even starting to provide phone apps, things like the Dart Pass, where you can uh, pay, you can buy your tickets on your credit card and have passes ready on your phone whenever you need them. Uh, things like the, the transit app, which even today is still pretty useful. Uh, you can still find out where, you can not only look and find out what route can take you there, but you can see where it is in real time. Those are some of the amenities that people expect to have uh, and that transit systems have started to provide. Uh, hopefully this is just a hiccup and that, um, and that people will, uh, again, once, it's, uh, once they, they need to, 
we don't want to have, we wouldn't want everybody hopping back in cars. Uh, the, the traffic would be a disaster. So it's uh, in the benefit for all of us to have those reliable, convenient transit systems uh, to get anywhere where they need to go. Well, you mentioned something a minute ago that, uh, you know, a lot of our discussion around transit in the past has been sort of negative. Um, politically speaking, uh, this notion of why am I paying for something that I'm not going to use? This has sort of dominated the political debate, especially when it comes around the regional transit system and everything else. Are you getting any uh, impression that there are some sort of uh, chinks in that armor at this point in time that, you know, people are starting to recognize how important these services are, especially for these folks? And, and you know, is there any indication that politicians are starting to waver on their sort of entrenched positions here? Well, um, I don't know if if it's the politicians changing their minds or the politicians changing uh, that is making the biggest difference. Uh, certainly in Oakland County, after decades of Brooks Patterson uh, saying, oh, I-75 is on our main street, uh, Oakland County's main street, and uh, sprawl is our is, is great, uh, those types of attitudes and, and not to say anything about his extraordinarily negative and racist attitudes towards the city of Detroit. Um, with his passing, uh, there's there something of a, a whole new attitude in the leadership, in both among the, the county commission, um, as well as the, the, the current county uh, executive, Dave Goldman. Porter. I've worked on and off with him for uh, more than 15 years on ways that we can improve transit. So now we finally have in Oakland County, in Wayne County, in Washtenaw, and in Detroit, we've got both who recognize how essential public transit is and are trying and doing everything they can to make uh, legislators, uh, Macomb, and the system in RTA that allows Macomb to block that progress. But we are certainly seeing progress. Well, and that's, that's important to talk about. So quick question for you before we wrap it up, though. Uh, again, I want to remind folks this event is coming up on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. You can find it on Zoom. And if you go to this post uh, on Deadline Detroit, where I'm going to put it up there on my page, it'll have information in the intro about where you can find it, all that good stuff. So that's important that you get there. But if you want more information, um, what do you want people to come away with uh, after this event? Well, we're really looking forward to having a dialogue. We do have the heads of both uh, DDOT and SMART who are going to be on as our sort of featured speakers. They're going to share what specifically what the agencies have been doing um, up until recently and what they see uh, moving forward. So uh, Detroit's got a brand new uh, executive director of transit, Mikkel Oglesby, uh, who will be on, as well as Robert Kramer from SMART. So it'll be a great chance to both listen to, sorry about that, but yes, we have both the transit agency leaders as well, and we want to have a real dialogue with riders coming to uh, uh, improve the system and how to make it safe for everyone. All right. Well, we'll have to leave it right there. Megan Owens, we always appreciate you being with us. Uh, we'll check in on that event on Wednesday night as somebody who is an avid fan of transit. Um, I'm really going to be watching because eventually I'm going to have to go back to the office. Um, may not be this <laughs> week. It may not even be till September. I'm not sure yet, but uh, who knows? Either way, I want to be back on the bus if I can, because uh, that's a good place to be. Megan Owens, thank you very Great. much. Thank you. Megan Owens is the Executive Director of Transportation Riders United. She's a frequent guest on this program, and we always appreciate getting her perspective.
Coming up in the next few days, a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, on Friday, the return of the week that was. I appreciate everybody giving me a couple of days off there. It was nice to be up north, socially distant, of course. Drove by a few of the beaches up in the Traverse City area. Wanted no part of that. Found a very, very quiet spot where there wasn't anybody and actually did get to take a dip in the lake, which was pretty darn nice given it was 90-plus degrees up there the whole time. Anyway, it was a wonderful time. Nice to refresh recharge the batteries, all that good stuff. Raring to go now, though. So excited about that. Uh, but coming up also, uh, RJ King from D Business is going to be joining me. He's got a new podcast that you might find interesting. We'll talk about that in the next couple of days as well. So lots of fun stuff on the horizon, as always. And thank you for checking in. You can send me messages. The Craig Folly Show at gmail.com is always available. You can find me anywhere on social media. Y'all know how to spell my name at this point, F-A-H-L-E. So just look me up. Uh, and if it's not me, Chances are it's probably one of my relatives because there aren't that many of us. But hey, no big deal. Send me messages. Let me know what you think. Let me know things you'd like me to talk about on this program. I'd be more than happy to try and oblige you if I can. It is just me. This is a solo operation. So um, for the most part, with the exception of Fridays, but in terms of booking guests and all that kind of stuff, that's on me. So if you've got ideas, I will gladly take them. All right. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk again soon. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit. Deadline Detroit has some of the best journalists in the city. We're asking you to support independent local journalism by joining our $3 a month membership. By joining, you become eligible to win prizes, including tickets for sporting events and gift cards to some of Detroit's best restaurants. Just go to our website and click the ad at the top or go to www.deadlinedetroit.com membership.